Um, since, since we use Adobe or I use your Adobe account for our recording software, yep. I thought this was interesting. Adobe, I guess they've been sending cease and desist notices and they've even been like tweeting it and stuff, I guess, that <clears throat> if you're on any version of their Creative, creative Cloud software packages that's more than like two versions behind, and I don't know if it's minor versions or what, um, they basically, they're sending cease and desist saying that you are not allowed to use that. And it's pissing a lot of people off, apparently. So they're forcing you to upgrade? Yeah, and, and it's, which is weird because you have the subscription. You can upgrade. Mm-hmm. But people... Because <clears throat> if, you, if you stop your subscription, does the software stop working? I think it does, right? It doesn't... I think so. Yeah. So, yeah, you, I mean, you've paid for the newer version. Why, are, why, the, why people are getting bent out of shape about wanting to use the old one, I'm not sure, or one of the older ones. But the... And I... And I I'm not sure this is necessarily coming from a bad place with Adobe because what they're saying is that any it, you know on most commercial software applications, I mean, there's there's the software and then Adobe's case here that, that, that they've written right their own source code, mm-hmm. but they've licensed tons of either you know binary components or or source code from other companies um, to include in their software, so they don't have to solve every problem themselves, right? Yeah, and. What's happened is Adobe has moved on from versions where they were licensing these other things, and Adobe no longer has a license to. This is what they're saying: they, they no longer have a license to some of the intellectual property that's in those older versions. And uh-huh. so, by what Adobe is saying is by these, by their customers using these older versions that technically their customers don't have license to anymore, that their customers are infringing on third-party IP, and they could open themselves up to a lawsuit from whoever owns that. IP. That doesn't sound right, though, because if you have a if you have an application that you install, traditionally it would have that, and the license is tied to that version, isn't it? Like when you buy the license from that third party, you would say we're, we're including this in our software. It's no, because you don't. Own, you don't. First of all, you don't. As a as buying a subscription, you don't own that software. You yeah, but that's sim- like saying sim- like I I put a song in a movie, and then ten years down the line, I lose the license to it. Does that mean everyone who's list- still watching that movie is violating? Well, let's Law? let's let's say that you, you know, let's look at your Netflix subscription. You know, you can watch a movie on it today, but if you don't pay your bill next month, or if Netflix no longer offers that movie, which happens all the time, if you somehow had it cached or downloaded and kept watching it, like you would be, you don't have a license to do that. I mean, I guarantee if you read your Adobe license, it says that, you know, it probably it's probably in there that you're really technically not allowed to do that. Yeah, you you are you have a license to the current versions of whatever you're you and, and that's probably the crux of it is they probably finagled a deal with these vendors a smaller portion saying sure. we're subscription based right, right and so we should get a cheaper price because as soon as we change versions we stop using your product that's it exactly and that's the problem yeah that is the problem but I mean Adobe saying and you know I guess on its face it seems nice they're doing that they're they're warning people hey you don't use these old versions because you might be able to you might get sued for that. Not that I mean I don't know how anyone would find out. I guess I guess maybe if Adobe was sued or subpoenaed or whatever to to provide lists of users who are still using old versions or something, which could, totally could happen. It still doesn't make sense though. But I don't know. It I does guess, to me. It makes perfect sense. No, I mean, I, yeah, I, I get it. You don't like it. Yeah, but it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> there's a subtle difference. Yeah, between there's those a two subtle things. difference there. <laughs> I don't like it, therefore I don't get it about that um yeah no i don't know if there's been much in the news again i'm i'm just god i'm in such busy mode um there was uh, just a couple of minor things i saw recently 
Um, some some news coming up. I guess some one of these financial analysts, probably a hedge fund or something. I guess they've done some kind of checks. I don't know if it was channel checks. I love that. We did some channel checks and things aren't it's looking so great. Check. That's when they go to like <clears throat> cons- uh, to like um, in in the in the case of Salesforce. Let's use the, them as an example. They go to the sell- they'll go to like Salesforce partners and ISVs and and consulting companies and interview them and ask them, hey, how's how's business? How how are the new deals? How's everything going? You know. Mm-hmm. And so they get a sense of how strong business is. But, I mean, in Salesforce's case, I mean, and I think all these big companies do this, they are, they're leaking to these analysts in the media all the time because they want the analysts to set their expectations where Salesforce is going to come in so that they come in in line with expectations. And if Salesforce knows, I keep, again, I'm picking on Salesforce, they all do this. If a company knows that it's going to be a little bit lower than current expectations, they start leaking to these analysts. Mm-hmm. And then the analysts will publish these little things to say, hey, you know, it looks, it's looking a little soft or whatever. And so the stock will drop a little bit mm-hmm. in, in accordance with that. And then when the company actually releases the results, the, the, the price, the stock price already has it baked in. So you don't have any kind of like major, it, you know, bloodbath when you've released your results. Or if they, or if they're not, they're like a 1% better than what they leaked. Exactly. Then, then yeah. it becomes a story of they beat expectations. Exactly. Beat they raise, were, they right? only yeah. thought they were going to do this, but look at this. Yeah. Anyway, so this this company says they're seeing less momentum for Salesforce's Q1. So their Salesforce, they're, they're, again, their Q1 starts Mar- February, ends, March, ends in April. So it's February mm-hmm. through April. So it just closed a couple of weeks ago. And this, this firm says they're seeing limited upside notes that customers appear more cautious than usual. I'm like whatever you wouldn't, what they do survey. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm this all this stuff is. Is I'm it very just kind of looking at this. the rate at which people are contracting? Yeah, I mean, what do they do? They always survey Salesforce customers and and they're and all like on, on a one to ten scale, and it. But and it wouldn't you, be Salesforce customers. It would be potential Salesforce customers. They would have to survey. I, I'm just saying, it's it, they this this analyst firm notes that customers appear more cautious than usual. Hmm. Um. Oh, and another security or another security analyst firm say that its checks show that overall business momentum was solid in the quarter, but parts of strategic accounts team may have been quite underwhelming. Hmm. So it might have been Salesforce is counting on them to deliver a couple of really big deals or whatever, and it's just maybe it's not gonna happen. I don't know. Or it's slow. And you know, I felt the end of end of quarter slash in this case also yeah, I guess the end of quarter um pressure that you always feel from Salesforce. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it, it seemed intense, but I don't know if it, I, I don't know if it's, it was more intense than it has been before. It, yeah, I don't know. It always seems intense. Yeah. I mean, just doing crazy stuff to, to close deals, you know, carrots, sticks, the whole thing. Yeah. Well, it, it goes back to the conversation we had last week about how just, how it's tough to, to sell or to <laughs> to sell deals because you're essentially co-selling with Salesforce, and Salesforce has got a lot of pressure to get those licenses de- or the license deals signed. You know, and I and wish it kind of compromises your ability to kind of say, "Here's our process. It here's, does, here's and what it, we do." And it sets such expectations around things that just aren't known yet, right? And I wish they would, you know, and, and I know why they. We've talked about this. The reason that Salesforce sells up front, like specific numbers of different types of licenses and all that for deals, because. They need a contract. They need the customer to sign up for a, ideally, multi-year contract where the customer is committed to a certain, again, non, look over their, their financial results. They talk about they love these non-cancelable contracts. That's what deferred revenue is. Right. 
And they need they need specific amount. Those contracts have to be for certain amounts, like specific amounts, or they or they don't count. You can't use them for accounting purposes. And I wish what they would do is instead of and the way they go about getting those specific amounts is by saying, okay, you're going to buy 200 sales cloud, 100 marketing cloud, this many pardot, this you know, this many community. Like they sell them all these specific things before the customer even really has any idea if that's the right amount. They're kind of trusting Salesforce that like. Those are the right licenses. Right. They just, they can't be. I mean, the sales, the account executive selling these things is just not in a great position. I mean, you really have to do a level of work and discovery and strategy work in a, in a non-trivial deal, right? In order to really know where you need to be on all this stuff. And account executives don't have, they don't do that. They don't have time for that. It's impossible. So I'd much rather them say, you'll just commit to spending this much money and we can work at all the license stuff later, Right. Now, the mitigating factor here is that most of the AEs, as far as I can tell, they'll, as long as you don't lower your total, your, you know, your, your, your contract amount, they will let you move licenses around, but mm-hmm. still just have to go through. That's kind of a pain. And, and again, it sets expectations. And, and I've seen a lot of, dis, you know, disappointment on people's faces when you say, well, you know, you didn't, you didn't need community license. You needed community plus. Right. You know, they didn't understand your security model or whatever you're trying to do. They didn't understand your goals and what was needed. Um, and you got you bought the wrong license. That's that always all, the case. That happens. A community happens all the time. You never need community licenses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you always need at least community plus or even partner. Well, so what used to be community is now community plus, and what is now community used to be the a high volume license or something like that is oh. what it was called. It, it's like we had a, a a wait out. Do you know what a wait out is in no. the in the consumer packaged goods CPG? John's what they call it in the in the financial space. Mm. Um, CPG companies. Uh, I just know this because um, someone I know used to work for a prominent CBG food company. And what happens is you go buy a bag of potato chips. I'm just, that example comes out of thin air. I have no connection, <laughs> you know, to that whatsoever. And, you know, there it's a buck 99, right? Um, and what happens is they, they're They want to raise prices. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got to raise prices over time. So what's a buck 99 right now um, they well they want they need to make more money so there's a couple things you could do that 18 ounce bag of potatoes you bought next time you come and buy it it might even be the same size they're just gonna put 16 ounces of chips in it next time so that's one thing yeah and that's called a weight out that is a weight out so I've seen pictures of of like family size bags and on. regular size bags that have the same ounces uh, yeah <laughs> but here's what happens so they they keep doing these weight outs until like what used to be a 20 ounce bag is now a 14 ounce bag and then what well, here's what's what's the problem though now you're now you've got this ridiculously empty bag of chips, or mm-hmm. it's or it's, it's actually gotten physically smaller in some cases. Well, how do you solve that? Now twenty percent more, right? <laughs> and now they go back up to twenty ounces again, but it's a it's twenty percent more. And they've got the big little flag on the on the corner of the package with twenty mm-hmm. percent more, which is well, you know I was paying a buck ninety nine, but it's, it's only it's only twenty you know it's only fifteen percent more, but I'm getting twenty percent more chips. That, that's okay. I'll do that. It's a good deal. It's just this dumb psychology that. But what happens is it's obviously, I mean, anyone can understand this, but consumers don't pay enough attention usually. Most consumers don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're just looking for, I mean, when I go to the store, I'm just looking for the, the ones that have the little on sale on them. I'm like, oh, I'll get that. It's on sale. I'll get the one that's on sale. Even without even actually doing the math of, yeah. you know, I don't know what, you know, that, that's just one My wife does the math. I don't. I just, I go and pick what I want. Does she really though? She does. Okay. Yeah. Oh, she does. You, I, you have, you have. You have met my wife. I, I know, I know. I mean, no, she's she's she is a, an informed consumer. I will say. I think that's a. I think that's a, a, a 
an accurate statement. When it comes to math and numbers, you don't mess with her. Sure. But I do like the grocery stores. And do the, I don't know if they do. They all still do this. I feel like they. Some of them don't now. But they, they used to say, I would always look at the price per ounce. Yeah, now, I know Costco still does this, but you can see price per ounce on everything. That's like that's what I want to know. Like, well, now you got three tiers of pricing. You or, have, or, and then you've got to layer in the reward price of for being a member, for basically giving your data. Here's your discount. Yeah, which is. Which you pretty much have to these days. Oh, you days. have to. It's it's basically marked up so that whenever you use your card, it's normal price. But the thing is, and I know they I know they track me because I have the same card. But I I just got you know that what that happens is you go you go check out and they're like oh you don't have a card this is the first time you go and now I don't have a card so they just they hand you one and it's it's got the little you have to push it, you have to break it out of the little thing but you're supposed to also like the rest of it you're supposed to like fill out and give it back to them mm-hmm. so they can track you and I never of course I don't ever you know no one fills that out right you're not or I mean I guess people do I don't. <laughs> So they know that there's some dude, probably, they probably know it's a dude, who is, and they know what my habits are. I just don't, I'm hoping, that they just don't know who the hell I am, though. They can't identify me. I'm not identifiable. I don't know that they, I don't know that they necessarily, well, they do to a certain extent. Yes, they do. But. I don't know if they've been able to, of course, they, they have my credit card yes. number. Damn it. I was going to say, they have <laughs> other ways of correlating that information with other information. Yeah. <clears throat> Ugh. Anyway, um, that's assuming that that your grocery store is really sophisticated. And just, but again, another this is another thing that sucks about this kind of business is you know why grocery stores? I know why they started doing that, but you know why they all have those now? These these loyalty cards that like to it, your point, you have to have because if not, you get totally ripped off. It's because they actually they they sell that data and make quite a bit of money doing mm-hmm. it. And if you don't have that revenue stream coming in as a grocery store, you can't compete because it's baked into the cost of uh, to the like the cost not the cost of doing business but the 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 profit and revenue model of a grocery store is that is the money that they make from selling all that data and there's no turning back. And if I can sell all that if as a, if I own a grocery store and I can sell all that data and it's you know I'm getting five million dollars a month for it, I can afford to sell my products for less. And if my competitor across the street doesn't, he's like, I'm not going to have a card. I, I'm not going to require that. I'm an old school. Well, he's going to go out of business because I can sell my, I can sell things for cheaper than he can now. Yeah. And like I said, there's no going back. No, uh, there's air, not. Air, it's done. With airlines, there's no going back. I read or saw a headline. I'm not going to say I read an article. I saw a headline that said that the airline industry made a killing just on uh, luggage fees yeah. alone. Yeah. Like they they probably take a loss on the flight and they make all their money on luggage fees now. Now, yeah, it's crazy. Um, travel seems like it's gotten a lot more expensive. Of course, I'm just I think it's just I'm getting old because again, to me, everything's getting expensive. I'm, I'm, all I well, here's my strategy: when I have a carry on, I always take it with me, and then as soon as they say uh, we need to check lug, luggage, that's when I do it because it's free right at that yeah, point. Exactly. I yeah. know my bag is not going to fit. Right. I know it's not going to go on. Yeah, you just try it, right? But I just, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it for free. Yep. I'm not going to pay the $25 you want to charge me downstairs for, for my bag that yep. I know it's not going to fit. Because I'm in group like 10. Yep. And everyone is a, is a freaking rewards member. Yep. Everyone is like a freaking platinum, mm-hmm. gold, kiss your butt member. I don't and, know what and it you're is. And like, you're like the last seven schmucks to get on the plane. Yeah. You, all lo- you losers. Well, I, I, I'm the kind of person that will sit there. Even if I'm like in the earlier groups, I'll sit there because I'm like, what's the point? I'm, my seat is assigned and I don't want to sit on the plane for 20 minutes while everyone else gets on. I'll yeah. just get on at the end. Yep. So. Oh, I, I do that too. The only time I don't get on the very end, and I'll wait until like 
a few minutes before they shut the door on the airplane. Why the hell would I get on that thing early? I know. Unless, unless I have a carry-on on and I need carry-on, I uh, yeah. need overhead space. Yeah. Then I'm like, I'll be fighting people. Oh, but now you have to pay. <laughs> now, now they have exclusive groups that you have to pay to get in. Like they have like their group one, which is like their first class. And then they got the group two, which oh, is no, all the you platinum. Can, you can pay for priority like, boarding. Sure. Yeah. There's that priority boarding group that you have to pay to get in. So that you can make sure that you're on first and you can get your bag. And on. it's also so no, it's, the it's not first. It's not first. It's just slightly before the. It's that slightly last before, group. but everyone yeah. else, the group one and twos, <laughs> fill up everything. <laughs> By the time you get to group four, you're screwed. Yep. Yeah. Well, let's see. I got. I got one other. And then again, to your point, I just read the headline. That's all I know about this. <laughs> um, and then we can get to some of this other stuff. That would make a great podcast, don't you think? Just the headlines. That's pretty much what this podcast yeah. is, John. Uh, Ivanka Trump to visit Salesforce to discuss White House workforce training effort. Yeah, and I know that there were some efforts to to go to the White House to advocate. I don't know what the right word is, but uh, sales uh, to I guess to allow the the accreditation of Salesforce. Uh, oh yeah, um, Trailhead. Trailhead. Yeah, yeah. No, that's. I mean, you know, I think what. Salesforce has invested a ton of money in that platform. It's it's you know it's pretty good. I mean it's not perfect, but nothing is. It's it's a million times better than so many of these other LMSs you just out lost there. Your MVP card. <laughs> <laughs> can I can I at least just have it suspended so I can get it back in like thirty days or something? Sure, sure. sure. You're on by probation. The, by the way, you're on probation. Are there MVP cards? Because I haven't gotten mine yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? I have to I have to thank the MVP care team because I got a birthday card. Did you? Um, yeah. Nice. Yeah, it was very nice. Was it from Astro? Uh, I think it had like an Astro sticker and some yeah. other sticker in it. Um, but anyway, do you remember when, um, I guess Benioff was on one of these, um, one of one of the, the president's uh, councils of some sort, some kind of business council. It, and it, it completely fell apart because... Somebody, well, he went to a couple, right? He went... He went when Obama's a president, and he went when Trump was president. No, this is Trump, because you remember the But moon, he, he did go when, you remember when Obama's president as well. Yeah, that was oh, the moonshot comment, yeah. Dude, uh, yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, Benioff and Obama are, are buds. That, that's, he was on, I'm, I'm sure they, you know, whatever. They were on all kinds of things together. Well, they're both, they both hang out it's, in Hawaii that's, on be- that, private beaches, that's right? That's unremarkable. Um, having Benioff on one of Trump's councils is, I would say, remarkable. Although he didn't last long. I think he quit. A lot of them, a lot of these uh, mm. CEOs quit. Because they don't like Trump's tweets or whatever, whatever it was. But what for the short time Benioff was on the council, you remember that's when he talked about you know the moonshot, yeah, to create you know I don't know some number of jobs through Trailhead or something. I can't remember what it was, but well, we're still working on the moonshot. I, I'm sure we are. Yeah, we you know. I mean, Salesforce has got not only do they have the the tools, some of these tools, tools, but they have this message, which is. The fourth industrial revolution. You know, we're all going to be sitting at home getting our what's it called? Basic income, a universal UBI, universal basic income, and, and you know, AI is going to put everyone out of jobs. And Salesforce doesn't want to see this, be seen as the bad guy for that. So we're going to be like the people on Wally. We're going to be sitting in our little flowing floating wheelchairs, just fat people rolling around because everything's done for us by AI. Hey, John, we're getting we're getting notes that there's a lot of audio clipping. Now, I actually did actually clip my circuit completely earlier. Like that was like I think that was once, maybe twice. So if there's still clipping going on, then it's something. It could be this new cable you got me. It could be actually. Let's let me uh, open up my. my actually, no. You're just uh, hold Test. on. Yeah, I don't know. Don't talk, Jeremy. Stop. Okay. So, look at this graphic when I talk. One of the gain is too high. It's clipping. Let me see. Test. You see that on the left well, hand turn side? It down. No, that's. 
I've, I've got a stereo audio input coming. One of those, the gain is too high. Well, which one? Test. Oh, yeah, I can see this. The left channel. Yep. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, yeah, wow. Okay. We yeah, now we're even. Okay. All right. Thanks, Chuck. Yeah, that was <laughs> totally, the gain was just, it was cranked on that one channel. I probably did that because I was, what did I do with that? I had to move it out of the way or something. I don't know what I did, so sorry about that. I'm glad someone said something. I, 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 yeah, I hate the. I, I would hate the idea that like for this whole show we just have horrible, horrible audio. Is it better? Oh, way better. Great. Okay. Sweet. Anywho, <laughs> uh, let's see. Salesforce will join 200 more than 200 companies and organizations that have pledged to create millions of jobs as a part of the pledge to America's workers. That's in all caps. Pledge, not all caps, but title caps. Pledge to America's workers. It's an initiative born of an executive order Trump signed last summer to expand programs that educate, train, and reschool. I mean, this is, you know, you, I mean, you always hear about, um, <laughs> start over. Let's, let's start the podcast over here. Okay, right. Three, two. Hey, John, how's it going? <laughs> I'm not doing this. No? Okay. <laughs> Can we eat our desserts? So that's, well, we have to finish this beer first. You have to finish this pint of 9%. Oh, you just finished it. Wow. This is why... You, I, you did need a beer. That was You just finished a pint of 9% beer in like 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I did need it. <laughs> okay, well, I'll try to catch up with you and then we'll... Well, you can have... Here, you can pour yourself some of this. I'm afraid of it. It's it, it's called... It's also called turtle murder. And it, look at the... It looks like there's turtle... turtle Maybe that's the... Turtle brains shooting out of it. Look at that, doesn't it? <laughs> it looks like something else, but... Well, it kind of does. That's where my brain is today. I don't know why. This. I don't see. know why. Your brain is always in the gutter, John. No, it's not. Let's see. Can I get the title on this thing? Turtle murder. Anyway. I don't know. What do you think of these? You know, there's always these training, training issues. But the truth is, I mean, people are getting laid off all the time because, and I've seen these analysis. I was just reading one earlier today. This kind of analysis of, uh, you know, whether companies... God, I wouldn't know. Which company was this? I can't remember now. But they're... Oh, it was AT&T. Um, they... God, was it when they took bailout money or something? I can't remember what it was. But they they promised to create, you know, so many millions of jobs. And they've actually, mm -hmm. like, laid off... They've actually cut, like, 10 times that many <laughs> when they were supposed to actually create. Mm. And they were talking about it because a lot of AT&Ts, you know, you got these, like, line... I guess they're called line workers or whatever, and they're... They're, you know, kind of copper. They're copper guys, copper line guys. That's what they were trained on. That's what they've done for their career. And they need to be retrained for fiber and all kinds of other stuff. And th there's an argument. I mean, some people were saying that it's actually not that expensive to re retrain these people. I mean, they're, they have good work ethic. They're not dummies. They know how to, you know, they, they know already so many of these the principles just of how to mm -hmm. do this kind of thing. They just need to be trained on the, on the new technology. Yeah. It's not even that hard to do it. And... But then some people were saying that, like, you know, a lot of these guys, they're 55, 60 years old, and the company's just actually, even though it's not that expensive, they don't want to invest in them. I don't, I don't know if it's that or those people just aren't wanting to retrain. Well, I, I don't know. I don't think they, they want to not be able to work. I mean, people usually want to be able to make a living. Not everyone, but most people do. <laughs> I don't know. I've been around some of those old those old dogs. Um, well, if you give them and, a good if you give them a good payout, sure, they might want to take an early retirement. But that's that's they're not getting in this case they weren't getting an early retirement. But anyway, you know, so you've you know, there's been these these things when you know a new presidential administration comes in, or we have a, a, a dip in the economy, or a recession, or the Great Recession, and 
we there's all this talk about oh the, I know the reason we're having this the reason that you know 50 million people are unemployed is because uh, they're not trained right and I always think hmm I'm not sure I fully believe that I mean I'm sure yeah. a percentage of them sure but I mean well I, I hate the idea that you're going to take someone who who traditionally works outside works with their hands stick them in a in a cubicle in front of a computer and say here's your new life I mean I just that just doesn't that doesn't sound right to me. That I mean, you can you can call it whatever you want and say, oh, they're getting better pay for this because it's it's blue collar or whatever. But I mean, I don't know. I just I just don't think that the two worlds collide. Hmm. Like, there's a reason they're not sitting in a compute in a cubicle. Yeah. You know, there's a reason they're working with their hands. And it's not just because it's the only thing they could do. It's because they enjoy oh, yeah, working I with totally their hands, agree. building things, creating things, and. Being productive. I mean, not not to say that sitting behind a cubicle or sitting in a cubicle isn't productive, but okay. So, when 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 you say "let it be their decision," I'm reading from Slack. What do you mean? Whose decision? The company's decision or the or the 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 employee well, the worker I think, decision? I think I think there is some validity to the idea that that these training programs do exist so that people can do have the option of of being there, so they can say, sure. you know, I got laid off, I need a new career. Mm. Here's this thing, I can do that. Let's do that. I guess what I'm thinking of is, again, when when these things happen, big macro things, um, economic things, the, these politicians often create these big programs because they they're trying to either create something and just claim victory for it because they look at look at all this what I that I did, or they're literally just trying to pump the pump markets back up, employment markets, financial markets, equity markets, all that kind of stuff. With with optimism, and that, mm -hmm. and that's not all that bad. I mean, that can actually work a lot of times. I think a lot of the stuff. I mean, I think a lot of if 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 there's some way, and I'm not sure there is, the science could attribute like like the economic boom we've had um, to does anything Trump's done. I think a lot of that actually is would be due to just um, the, the talk, right? Just like just like a president can talk about tariffs and hurt the stock market. They can also talk positive things and help the stock market and employment markets just by sending that message to businesses and to markets that this, you know, in this way, this, you know, you're, this is going to be more appealing to your business. And so you might need to hire some people. You might want to hire some people because you're going to be getting more business or whatever. You know, it's like yeah. different ways to interpret these things. But, but I think, I think I'm, I'm, all, I'm all for having options. I'm all for programs that provide options to people who, who otherwise may not be exposed to certain things. I'm a product of being exposed to things by happenstance, and it. I know that one. That was very. I'm very sad that you were scarred by that thing you were exposed to. I've always felt bad about that. If I could take it back, I would, John. <laughs> what am I supposed to say to that? I don't know. <laughs> Um, anyway, I don't think I finished my point, which is that a lot of times this is just BS, though. This is BS, that, that's, posturing politicians, yeah. trying to trying to move the needle in some way by just creating this fluffy training programs. They don't even understand what they're doing or who's or if, if it's even you know, help these people. And when did you go to some government-run training program that got you a good job? It, it's almost silly to even – it's almost laughable on its face. It, it works. Isn't it? It does work. It does work. Okay, and I've I haven't you I haven't ever participated in them or even seen them. So, so I, so here's what I'll say about it. It does work. Um, it it is a, it's it's almost akin to sending out uh, spam through mail. It's a numbers game, where you just send out millions of flyers, yep. and you end up getting what maybe ten percent of that. Oh no, I think it's one percent. It's considered good. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. 
but if if you're realistic about what your goals are, which the 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 political narrative isn't, it never is. They all they'll they know it's going to be one percent, but they'll say oh, it's going to do thirty percent. You know, just to kind of fluff it and get the buy-in to spend the money to send out a million flyers. But I'll give you an example. I realized why I wanted to be a doctor and why I was exposed to, to wanting to be a doctor when I was at such a young age. And that was because there was a huge shortage at the time of medical professions. And I remember at an early age, there was such a push from everyone, counselors, teachers, and everything about going into the medical oh, field. Yeah. And I eventually went to a vocational. What is it now, John? What's it now? It's computer science. <laughs> it's co- no, no. Oh, coding. Coding. That's right. It's not even computer science. It's coding. Yeah. It's low code platforms. Yeah, no, um, six week boot camp, and you're good to go. But yeah, I mean, it exposed me to things, and it worked. My original career path was I wanted to be a. a I, I did get exposure to going to doctors' offices and hospitals and rotating, and there was a ton of programs that supported that. I was part of that. I was a part of that government initiative and that it, said, "Hey, we need more medical professionals." And you're saying it worked. Do I, I, need, do I need that, to call you doctor to Santiago? It worked to the point that that's what I wanted to do. I just couldn't afford it. And <laughs> so in order, it didn't work. <laughs> as I was trying to make money to afford it, I found out I liked programming and I liked being a programmer. And that's when I switched to doing what I do now. Um, but it did work. I mean, that was my original plan. That's how I got exposed to it. And that's, that's where my passion was guiding me towards. In fact, I really didn't even want to be a doctor. What I wanted to do was uh, industrial design engineering for medical equipment. It was my ideal goal. But then I got into a pediatrics office and I went to pediatric ICU and I saw the kids and my heart melted. And that's when I wanted to do that. Uh, But that was my original want in life. Yep. Hmm. You know, it's never too late, John. No, wait, it is too late. Never mind. Forget it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm an old man. Anyway, well, uh, you know, oh yeah, here we go. Benioff participated in the first round, round table. Love that. That Trump hosted on workforce development and apprenticeship expansion about two years ago. Mm. Salesforce previously announced plans to hire more than 800 people in downtown Indianapolis. I think that's where they were, Ivanka Trump was going, was to their indie offices. The, um, Mm. what was it called? Exact Target, where they run a lot of Microsoft SQL Server, John. (laughs) Um... Yeah, anyway. Well, it'll be interesting to see if anything comes out of that. Probably not. Yeah. I mean, hopefully the act, this actual, the pledge to America's workers. I mean, I, I do think that, I do think we're going to have a big problem. I mean, I, I think AI eventually, when it, after it stops sucking, will eventually, it's going to put, that's just going to end a lot of things that humans do right now. And, 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 I don't, and that's I don't not technology. to that, but. No, it, it's going to end certain things for sure. Definitely. I, I can't argue with that. I, I think it will. But I mean, I don't think it's, I think I don't think it's the to, doom, the, uh, like this ultimate doom I think doom it'll lead coming. to a lot of low-quality interactions that, that'll eventually swing the, spin, swing the pendulum back the other way to where there'll be more human involvement. AI won't go away, but it'll be used differently. Like at oh, first... You, wait, wait. You're I, going out on the limb here and saying AI will not go away? Yes. Oh, wow. It won't go away. It'll oh, be that's... a tool as it's meant to be, but companies in their, in their quest to, to increase margins will lever- over-leverage AI, there will be some kickback, and they will introduce people to help manage the AI. Yeah, well, there's that. There's the pendulum and the, what's, um, who, who was it? Was it Gartner, one of these, that, or the coin, the, what's the, the hype cycle? Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, you know, it builds, and then and it peaks, and then the trough of dis- disillusionment, mm-hmm. and, then, and then actual, you, at the very end of that, you get, kind of get grounded in the reality of a certain technology. Right. Yeah. We're definitely in the, we're definitely in the, 
the hype. Cycle I actually still. feel like with AI, we've kind of we're, we're heading now. Door, we kind of we've we have peaked, and we're heading towards a trough of disillusion. I hope so. Yeah, I, I, I mean, so. just, you can't avoid it. It's it's human nature, and you can't beat that out of us. Well, I, I still think we're going to be in the hype cycle because I think there's still a revolution to be had in voice assistance. I think that will get better. AI? Yes. I think voice assistants will get better and that'll kick off a new hype cycle for AI. And then we'll we'll start heading towards the, the down cycle of disillusion. So I think there's still a few things that can kind of give it that kick, that boost it needs to stay in the hype cycle. So it's going to be a while before we hit that 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 trough. But uh, it, it'll eventually happen. That's that's my predictions. Hmm. Well, we're all people. Yeah. And we all still like communicating with people. I always enjoy your prognostications, John. You know, there's, I don't know. I just. Let's see. I'm going to try to find the live. Where's live? Live. And I want to post this photo of this dessert we're about to eat. <clears throat> Is crickets a title? Can we do that? Um, We could. I suppose. Well, you even got the picture of Benioff in the back. I did. Huh? That <laughs> might have been on purpose. I don't know. Can you believe I still have that photo of him? I, I it's ironic. It's 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 my ironic Benioff picture. It is. <laughs> I mean, I thought you would replace it with a picture of your family eventually. No, but got, no, that's my phone's no, for. No, right? Benioff is it. That's what my phone's Daddy for. Daddy Benioff. It's a conversation starter when people come in my office. <laughs> <clears throat> Do you know Salesforce? Exactly. Do I know Salesforce? Yeah. <laughs> Do you uh, need any Salesforce coding services? <laughs> uh, okay, so John and I each have one of these two uh, desserts. We both have two straws. We both have two of each. So these aren't shakes. These are no, one of each. These are desserts in shot glasses. Yeah, you got to like... Oh, it's already open. Okay, John. Um, well, let's first of all, let's pour this... Actually, you know what? I wanted to say this beer that we just Can finished... Can you try it first from... to make sure that that is just a... I will. Normal thing of the beer if it went bad. <laughs> that is probably bad. Oh, oh my God. Oh, oh God. Oh, whoa. And this is the beer that was, uh, it had a, it was uh, sealed with wax. So is this sealed with a cap and it's sealed with wax? Uh, some whipped cream or something here to cleanse my palate. That's meringue. Oh my god, that's horrible. <laughs> well, I'm glad the dogfish had the was murder bad. would murder you, right? The turtle murder murders you. That is the worst tasting thing I've ever, ever put in my mouth. <laughs> it's like rotten fish, stale cardboard, oh, no. <laughs> stale cardboard, and like feces all oh. in, all in one liquid. I don't even know how it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> well hey at least we have desserts okay well, john well i mean i think we have to do this proper and i think you need to sing me happy birthday oh i need to sing yeah yeah Th so, this is my birthday desserts <clears throat> right so i got i got desserts in honor of jeremy's birthday actually one of them is in honor of jeremy's highly successful well-received uh oh, key lime pie beer oh that's so true congratulations yeah. on, on, on <laughs> my gimmick your beer master, that everyone loves <laughs> on your thesis of home brewing <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, happy birthday to Jeremy. Uh, it was this past weekend, right? You got another year older. I can't sing happy birthday because that's, uh, that's a copyrighted song. Whatever, you're trying to get out of it. You're making shit up now. You got to sing, John. No, it is. Happy Whatever. birthday. You can't sing happy birthday without you can't do paying public a license. performances. You can't. All right. 
All right. Well, I'm going to just I'm gonna go ahead and dig in. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday, Mr. Ross, for another Let's year, see. for surviving another year. These are fancy, man. Glass shot glasses? Glass shot glasses. You got these from Seasons 52? I'm told I'm not Do off people the hook, so happy birthday oh. to you. Oh, there we go. Happy birthday oh, to you. Happy birthday, dear Jeremy. Oh. Happy birthday to you. Oh, John. That's this is a milestone <laughs> in your public performance career. I sing better than that, I swear. That was pretty good. That was actually on key. Yeah, pretty good pitch, John. Oh, Chuck says the birthday song copyright expired. Good. <laughs> so happy birthday, Jeremy. I'm still legal. We can still be on all the, the socials and everything without getting demonetized. <laughs> Deplatformed. That's the thing now. Hey, this is pretty good. Let's get social. Social. With social media. So uh, now, uh, now <laughs> here's the sixty-four thousand dollars question: Has the copyright on that song expired? <laughs> <laughs> I think it expired the moment it was saying. <laughs> no, the. the Patent and trademark office denied it immediately after it's they, still after they performed favorite. it. It's still my favorite. It's still my favorite. I just, it's it's one. It's like a bad movie. Like a movie's so bad, it's good. That song is just so bad, it's good. You know, I'm guessing it's not best practice to eat dessert on a podcast. Yeah, I was about to say. I think that's my fail. <laughs> is that um, mm. getting food when we're trying to talk? It's good. All right, John. Well, let's get to your stuff. Oh, I don't have stuff. I mean. Well, I, you brought up this article, and I thought, I thought it, eh, why not? It's content, right? Uh, the title is, what, does, what Salesforce does for their employees that makes other companies jealous. Oh, yeah. Oh, that, that was just... Especially was you, because you've you've, you're trying to build a team. And, I was only pointing out the amazing, hiring, the amazing journalism and embedded you in know that what, article. You know, the Ohana spirit is really what keeps people at Salesforce. The, they, the culture of, of family. Yeah. No one's left behind. Family first. On a serious note, <clears throat> <laughs> what do you think of businesses that actually talk about their employees as as a as a family, their organization as a family? Do you do you think that's an appropriate metaphor, and that it's fair and sets the right expectations for people? So I, I have I have. A couple of different opinions on it. I've always cringed at it, and I don't know if that's just because I'm a cynical bastard, or because I I do see people around me that seem to enjoy that type of culture. They enjoy being part of something. They enjoy that type of thing. And I think if I was to build something, I would want that kind of environment as well. But I, there are times where I'm so cynical by all the things going around me that I'm like, "How is this a family? You're forcing me to do things that I think are not right, or that are inefficient, or..." don't have the customer's best interest in mind. And so therefore, how is this and do you, family? Do you kick yourself, your family members out as soon as you don't have a need for them anymore? <laughs> or if there's another family member that can do something better? You, I mean, really? I don't know. I, I think it's just, it's one way of packaging team culture. It's one way of packaging the idea that we're all working towards the same goal. And so I think from that perspective, it's it's a good thing. It's a good, it, it, it works. Oh, I, I, I think for some people it works. I don't disagree with well, that. Well, I think for a lot of people it works. And I think for a lot of people in the Salesforce community, it works really well. They are part of something. They are part of something bigger than just their own little environment, their own little instance. Saying, are you, not, are you not community. manipulating people's 
innate human emotions to want to be a part of a family. No. Into thinking that it's actually a family that no. that goes beyond no. you know, capitalist desires. No. no. You're cater- you're catering to human nature. You're catering to the human nature that wants to be part of a community, that wants to be part of a part of a group, part of a pack. We are pack creatures at nature. You know, we're and, and we're just you're catering to that. It's what we need, it's what we want, it's what we desire. You're stating truth. That's not my question. Well, you're 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 conflating the the need to be part of a team with with the manipulation of that. For no, for, I'm part for, of a team. It's called my family. <laughs> but you're, you're you're saying that the corporations are twisting that into yeah, is it, for is their it, own benefit. Is it an is it an apt metaphor? I think with anything, anything is corruptible. I mean, anything yeah. good can be corrupted, and you can be extremely cynical in life and and just see the bad of everything, or you can try to find the nugget of good in, in it, find something positive in it. I'm trying to find the positive yeah, in it. Yeah, I know, but that's what you always <laughs> I do. want to see the positive in it. You're trying to keep that MVP card in check there. I get it. That's fine. Yeah. Can know. I just stick my tongue down in here? Is that okay? <laughs> Did you eat both of them already? <laughs> yeah. I'm you done. want another one? No. God, I don't, <laughs> definitely do not need another one. I mean, I, do I want another one? Yes. Do I need another one? No. But it's your birthday. That, well, here, it was. Here, have the cho- it, I mean, here, have this on. one. I haven't tried this one. My birthday was three here. years ago. No. It's your birthday. No, I don't. I really don't. Oh you, know, you should eat that. I will eventually. <clears throat> uh, so the the philanthropic model. So do you? So that's another another item on the list that says that you know this is this is the type of culture that people want to be part of. They want to be part of a culture where charity and philanthropy is is part of the culture. This this adds value to their work life. I think. Yeah. I, I do. It, whether it's the one 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 model or um, what's the other one that's really big in corporate enterprises? The shoot, what is it? Oh, it's that big organization that every company, every big enterprise seems to be a part of, and you end up getting hours for. I don't remember what it's called. I have no idea. Jeez, I can't remember. Anyways, any enterprise company I've been a part of has had this kind of this partnership with United Way. Is it United Way? Oh, uh, probably so. United Way, maybe. Yeah, maybe. And so it's just a way to encourage charity or going to events and giving your time and, you know, the weird thing I've sandwiches. So, with, okay. <clears throat> This is totally a rat hole, but the weird thing with corporations and giving is every time a corporate, so you know what a corporation is, right? It's a, um, it's a, a group that represents shareholders of the corporation. <clears throat> oh, you can't say that. <laughs> Sorry. Say it's a group stake- of people. Stakeholders. No, you can't even call it a group of people. What, what can I call it? I don't know. You just can't call it that. In California, a corporation is a person. No, it can't be. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, I've seen it. <laughs> that, that's what killed the Romney candidacy, was calling corporations people or something like yeah. that. No, it was binders of women. Oh, that's right. <laughs> um, um, but, so, so yeah, so technically, uh, if you look at what a corporate entity is, uh, the legal construct that it is, it, it's um, it's an entity that's rep, that's a, a represented by, uh, uh, that's not the right word, composed of, construed of, no. Anyway, mm-hmm. of shareholders. And every, you know, any profit that the corporation generates accrues to shareholder equity, which can be, you know, in- increases the value of the stock or can be converted to dividends, whatever. It's just, it's the share, that's how the shareholders make money, right? But every time the corporation decides to go out and, like, give money to charities and that's reducing shareholder equity, 
the amount of money that gets back to the shareholders, reducing the opportunity of the shareholders to be uh, charitable. It's almost like, you know, like corp corporation, uh, the double tax on corporations. It's mm -hmm. a similar thing. Like, if you're going to give it at the corporate level, then you just reduce to be given at the personal level. Because all the money the corporation spends, that's less money they can pay to employees and and with and just complete so numbers and just the mathematics, it's less, it's less value to the shareholders. So it reduces, it comes from somewhere that is, you know, that, that is going to reduce. But I don't think these, these programs are geared around profit. They're geared around keeping. The, uh, John, I heard a one, one, one is one of those ones is profit, right? Or no, sorry. It's product. It's change of product. product. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess what I'm saying is that, that there are other factors that make, that allow people to have certain amount of job satisfaction. It's not always money. It's not always responsibility. Sometimes it's, it's the freedom to make. And some people have major daddy or mommy or family issues, <laughs> and we can play right into that psychology. It's, I'm just it's saying. Kinda, it's it's kind of sick. Yeah, I guess. I guess. But I think I think a lot of these programs exist because people have, have wanted to. They spend so much time at work, and, and they spend so much time. And, they, <laughs> and one of their complaints is, well, I, I'd like to do something more to give back yeah. to my community, and I don't have the opportunity because I'm always working. I have to work to pay my bills. Yeah. And so these type of programs exist to, to provide that level of satisfaction to those people so they have a program where they can invest their time and get that kind of satisfaction. Yeah. I mean, I mean and, and, and that's fine. I mean, especially if they're able to spend time on some charities through their through something their company has organized. You know? and, I mean, I, I don't see it as a bad thing, but I think, I think there's a lot of people who put a lot of value in, in the ability or the option for their company to, to allot them a certain amount of time that they would normally spend in front of a computer out in their community providing a and, service. And maybe I have an oversimplified view of this because for so long I've been a one, literally a one-man corporation. Mm -hmm. And so I know that, because I've had, because my, my company, I've, I've, don I've, I've donated to charities through my company. And I know that- There you go, bragging about your charities again. Not in, I didn't say any amount. It could have been a dollar, <laughs> right? I'm not saying any amounts or anything specific. But I, uh, but I also know that that exactly reduces the amount that, that at the end of the month, the check I get to write to myself, which, because I also like to be personally charitable, and it reduce. I, sometimes I make a decision. Well, it's like, should the company donate this, or should I, and then not have the company donate it, and that'll be my shareholder dividend, and then I can be charitable. It it, it it's not a it's a zero sum game. Sure, I guess you could look at it that way, but you could also look at it as if it if it's something that the, that you do believe in. The company is taking that money and donating on your behalf. The the collective. Uh, exponential value of that because now it's not just one individual donating ten dollars it's a thousand people donating ten ten dollars yeah a thousand times ten which is what i don't know ten thousand last time i checked how the way the ones and zeros worked <laughs> <laughs> i'm just saying that, that <clears throat> it serves different purposes yeah. it, okay it, it comes to different outcomes did you get through all the 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 high points of that the culture the culture is the like, last one uh I don't know. I, I feel like those two points are the Salesforce culture. The Ohana and the charitable yeah. aspect of it is the culture. So much it seems redundant to say the culture. Yeah. The culture of Salesforce. But I guess I guess the point of the culture is What is guess, the God, John, what is the culture of Salesforce? I don't know. By the way, you can't defer. You can't revenue? say culture of Salesforce without saying cult of Salesforce. <laughs> you ever thought about that? Oh. <laughs> oh. Wow. Hang on. Hang on. Give me a second. 
We can't have dead air. You don't like dead air. I'm so bad at this. (laughs) Was it worth it? (laughs) Probably not. No, but is any? I mean, I don't know. (laughs) You ask ask the the army, John. You got got to be faster on the draw. I know. You end up with dead air. I need you know. I need a giant physical soundboard with a hundred. Not even that. It has to be like a thousand buttons on it. So, in terms of culture, what this article says is Salesforce leaders, in turn, empower its employees by crafting the employee experience to carry out their cultural vision and values. What I take from that is probably just providing them platforms to be able to kind of express their thoughts and views about the culture and what their needs are. Uh, Similar to the way the women equality pay equality came about. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming that type of culture and enablement. I got to use all the buzzwords. I know, you're, you're doing a good job. Yeah. I got to say, you are doing a pretty good job. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm trying to keep that card, man. Yeah, uh, I hear you. <laughs> it's valuable. I get you in a Dreamforce for free. That's that's worth something. <laughs> uh, all right, so John. we got some community topics. Uh, we're going to finish. Uh, also, can we, and I don't know if you we have time or if you wanted to get into this, but you mentioned like maybe talking about some of the trailhead uh, DX extracurricular yeah, so topics. I, I thought that would be cool if we do so have to. I want to get through these two release note topics from the community, and then I thought we'd talk about, um, yeah, the extracurricular. Because I think if we can talk, if we can just go over, oh no, sorry. Mm. Jeremy's literally licking the shot glass. <laughs> um, hopefully that was clean. I, <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> But no, if we uh, if if we can talk about the the topics and then people can go ahead and what is it called reserve or whatever through the app? There's an app. There's an app for that, right, John? There's an app for that. It's it's part of the Trailhead experience. It's the event, or yeah, the yeah. Salesforce events app. Yeah, or the whatever. events app. So you should be able to register, or I mean, not register, but you should be able to add them to your. Well, and some of the things you have to, re- and I don't know that tr- the extra will they get that sold out, but it might. I mean, I feel like we had some kind of packed house sessions last last year or two years ago. Was that last year? That was last year. Yeah. Well, Trailheads. <clears throat> but, you know, the thing is, like, you might, it depends, especially depending on, I don't know if it's going to be, depending on where it's going to be, I mean, you might not be able to get in if you don't re- pre-register. There's limits on these things. I've missed out on sessions that I wanted to go to because I get, go to sign up, it's like, oh, that's already full. Okay, well, guess I'm not going to that. <laughs> no, you just show up. And just push your way through. Yeah. That's how you do it. Okay. How did that work out for you, John? Pretty well. First of all, you would never do that. You're way too nice and just like, I'm not going to make a scene. <laughs> Damn you. You know me too. <laughs> I know. <clears throat> All right. Uh, so on. this one comes from Stephen Noe. He found a few nuggets in the uh, release notes that he thought we would be interested in discussing. Uh, one of them is about, uh, these are both about Einstein analytics, which I don't think either of us are experts, experts in that. No, but I'm having to do more around the, around the peripheral of, of, uh, Analytics, like getting data into it and stuff. Yeah. Actually using the, it is... The title for this one is a bit um, misleading, I'll say, because the way it sounds, it almost sounds like it's making political statements in your data analysis, but it's not. It's it's just terms being used <laughs> to describe the way a machine learning algorithm would analyze data. If you understand how it works, you know what you need to do to make it happy, right? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the title of this this particular feature in the release notes is Build Ethical and Accountable Models with Bias Protection. 
So you can already see how that that sounds like it's something like a political statement or going down a certain road, but it really isn't. Uh, so the, it says the where, the why, the who. Uh, to use bias protection, you need to create an update. Uh -huh. uh, so the idea is that you'll have certain pieces of data that you want to exclude from the data models. So it has access to the data model, and it's it's reading all this so, data. So fudge, that, fudge your data so you get politically correct results. Okay. No, not necessarily. Okay. You might have two competing data points that may be biasing the other. And so you might choose to exclude one piece of data so that the other piece of data is factored more so than the other. And why do you want that one piece of data to be factored more so than the other? Considering they're both actual data points. Unless you want to manipulate the outcome. Maybe. Okay. And I don't even know what we're... <laughs> I mean... Bias is actually, a, and that's a scientific term, I'm that, and that's how I'm using it, is scientifically, not politically. Um, so this, this particular feature allows you to identify a field as a protected variable. And it says, uh, the description of this, I'll read it, and then everyone can kind of infer what they want from it. A protected field is excluded, is excluded from the model. If a protected field shows a 50% or higher correlation to the story outcome variable... Story outcome? Yeah, these are words. Wow, okay. <laughs> uh, However, Einstein discovery notifies you in the improvements section. So essentially, it'll exclude it. But if 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 it shows to be a a variable that should be included in the story because of some factor of, of well the fifty percent or higher correlation, then it will notify you in saying, "Hey, this should be or should not be in the in the algorithm in, in the data set." Why is it even surfacing this? If this is AI, it should it should. It, it's just data. So the example right? it says is, is for example, zip code and household income are often correlated. If your story contains both fields, exclude one of them to better focus the analysis on the other. Uh, Einstein discovery can still calculate correlation for the excluded field if you decide to include it again later. So it's a way yeah. to kind of just see if What's if the data is is being skewed by one value or another, but you won't lose any in analytics that's, on it, but you'll weird. be able to include it. Yeah, because I mean, standard statistics, which is much most of this is, I mean, can block for these things. If you want to block. On an, an, an aliasing factor, you can totally do that. And I guess I maybe that's, that's what, what this, this is trying is. to do. Yeah, just yeah. actually use the right words for it. Use the, use the words that we've been using for the past hundred years with in the in the in statistics. I, I kind of thought you might have some better words for. I guess I've done all this. Been there, done. I, I really have, actually. I mean, do we have that clip? We don't have that clip. No, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. No, I don't. Oh. I'm Dr. not. Dr. Dre. I'm, not, I'm not hip to your to your. Uh, your pop culture, John. <laughs> You're not. Uh, so the other topic was, uh, this is on also on Einstein. It's on Sales Cloud. It says, uh, get ready for global models. Okay. Can you guess on what a global model is? Global model. No, I can't. It's, um, it's good-looking people that travel the globe uh, doing pressers and photo shoots and and. And fantastic events. So this is this is a feature that Salesforce is apparently going to be extremely cautious on how they roll out and the messaging that they put around this. Uh, but essentially, what it says is that global models look for aggregate anonymous trends. Uh, anonymous. Let's let's highlight anonymous trends across many Salesforce customers. Mm. So the first step is to gather data from multiple Salesforce orgs, and they'll use that data to build models. And this maybe is the long game for Salesforce. Maybe they've had this in mind the whole time. And and because that was and they've I noticed they've eased this in because this was the originally if you could not that anyone was actually reporting on it but if a person dug far enough they could find uh, people issues being raised about 
putting all this data in Salesforce's database and letting them run all their AI on it. It's like, well, <clears throat> um, isn't that giving Salesforce a lot of data? Like, we have the same problem with Google and Facebook, right? All the mm-hmm. people that Benioff rails against. I mean, it, it's in kind of the, I don't know, how is this different? I mean, well, like you said, it's you, different. When it's you get different, to write but, the rules, you can, you can, right. you can control the sandbox, right? Right. I mean, and that's of course, of course all the questions like, is it really anonymized? Is it, and of course, and, and, and to whose benefit does this accrue? I mean, it's, um, I'm sure it is. I mean, I, th- I think, I think the algorithms, the algorithms are really data hungry and they want that data. And Salesforce has access to a lot of data across a lot of industries and they would love to let those algorithms free yeah. on all that data. I don't think they care that it, it's, it's identifiable. That, they just care that they have access to data, which would make those algorithms extremely So valuable. how do I, as a customer of Salesforce, how do I get to benefit from this? Do I get to benefit from this? Well, yeah. Imagine you're a small shop with very limited amounts of data. You just implemented Salesforce. You've got a week's worth of okay. data. Well, that makes sense. Your Einstein that, recommendations are, are because, piss poor. Because that was one of my, you know, probably poor informed criticisms of, of Einstein was that most orgs don't have enough data yeah. to do actual machine learning on. Right. But if their data is just a small part of a much larger data set, then maybe it's more valuable. But then again, my company's data is not the same as your company's data. No, but in the same aspect, you as a consultant with a lot of experience in a particular industry, when, you, when a company hires you, they kind of hire you and leverage your experience. And you're able to make decisions or guide them down a path that comes from experience. But if I treated them like they were just this big generic client that's like every other client because I pulled all of your information together and just drew this picture of a client that's like the most average client in the world and didn't give them specific consulting for their business, then that probably wouldn't work very well. No, it's, it's akin to saying, <clears throat> let's say, like someone, if I said I want to load a million records into my account object, what, 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 would, what would you might say in terms of just consulting me? It might not scale, reports might be slow, lookups might be slow, indexing might be slow. All these things you can say about me trying to do that. It could be as simple as that. When you have access to more data, you might be able to say, okay, you've got this opportunity. It's got this amount of data. Based on my experience, it's not going to close. Or based on my experience, if you do this, it might close. Yeah, I guess you have to figure out the types of data that aren't industry, company, region culture specific right sure yeah and that's that's a that's a dangerous assumption that, that, that they are all those things well it's it's a danger with all AIs that you have this data set that's going to guide the algorithms down a certain that's path that's why, that's why I'm a Luddite and I reject all AI <laughs> <clears throat> uh, the bottom line is is for Einstein to get better it needs more data and this is their path to try to but get what there. is Einstein John what is Einstein it's a is it something that tells you which lead to look at is it something that draws you pretty graphs it's everything. But it, is it what's Einstein sells and Einstein analytics and Einstein? Well, Einstein yeah. used to be a, a, a very well-known, well-respected scientist, and now it's a AI now, character now it's a in little pl- a pluff, it's plushy, a plushy doll that walks around at Dreamforce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey, after I'm dead, if someone walks around and look dressed up as me as Dreamforce, I'll, eh, I'm okay with that. <laughs> That's how I live on. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get to the next career Extracurricular. Why can't I not say it? Because it's a hard word to the say. The extracurricular. Yeah. I have to purposely enunciate every syllab- syllable. This means uh, outside of the normal curriculum, John. That's what that means. I'm going to start calling it the extra. Extra, extra. Yeah. I hate that show. It's got your favorite, uh, your crush, Mario Lopez. Mario Lopez. 
Oh, is he hosting? Is that? he on extra? Is that, is on extra? Is that show still on? I don't know. Or maybe he was an extra. Maybe he was I know he's doing some some hosting thing. They all do. All these old eighties celebrities. What was his name? Slater. AC Slater. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's an eight. That, that was an eighties name. Was it eighties or nineties? I don't know. Early. That had to be nineties. Right? Early nineties. Maybe eighties nineties. Border. Anyway. All right. Well, what what do we know about the extra really? I don't know. Are we waiting for you to pull up a document or something? Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to get you to vamp. Uh, so, yeah. So, sessions are now live on the uh, Trailhead X event planner. So, you should be able to get to those. You sincerely cannot say that, can you? I cannot. The Trailhead X. Trailhead DX. Trailhead DX. Trailhead, what I said? Trailhead X? Trailhead. You have to double the D. You have to give it a double D. Trailhead. Trailhead DX. Even though there's only one D there, you have to give them credit for two. Trailhead DX. I, I I just can't do it. <laughs> uh, so first, let me let me educate everyone who does not know about the extracurricular. The extracurricular is a community-driven mini event inside TDX. Uh, <laughs> it's a, it, it will be a panel of expert, experienced Salesforce developers and architects presenting complex real-world problems and solutions, followed by a panel discussion and audience Q and A. At the start of each session, there will be several five-minute quick talks presenting interesting ideas in a compressed format. Uh, so this is this 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 is the it's year compressed? two. It's a compressed format for the quick talks. Oh, quick talks. Okay, yeah. Keep up talking I fast. You. I know. Sorry, it's hard. <laughs> uh, so I thought we'd go through kind of each of these. Um, <laughs> so one of the topics that will be available is the uh, designing apps in Lightning. Uh, the Flexi Page SPA Semiconductor is the title. That one's being done by James Ho. Uh, the description for this one is: Come on a journey from developing single-page applications using pure Visual Force to developing FlexiPage SPAs in Lightning for both Aura and Lightning web components. Review the myriad challenges faced during this transition and iteration from Visual Force to Aura and finally to Lightning web components. Expect a robust discussion comparing pros and cons of different component architectures. Explore rich messaging patterns between LWCs and Aura components. Ooh, I love rich messaging. <laughs> and see the power of FlexiPage SPA. What do you, what's the difference between uh, you know, thin messaging and rich messaging, John? One's fat and one's skinny. Is one like uh, one's plain text <laughs> and one's RTF? Oh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> one's comma delimited and one's uh, JSON. Yeah. One's uh, one's uh, uh, the marquee tag and one's a, an animated GIF. Yeah. So I think this I, one, can, I can I keep think, going. <laughs> I think this one's going to be really good. I think I that think, sounds good. I, I, I because, do have a question uh, though, John. That's, that's kind of it's it's. It speaks to our real-world problem right now, which is we have a lot of applications or a lot of enterprise customers that are built heavily on Visual Force, highly customized Salesforce. And they're going to, because Salesforce is about to turn Salesforce or Lightning on by default in October, it's going to start pushing people to try to transition over to Lightning. So now we have this thing where we're transitioning from Visual Force to Aura. But now we've also got this new technology called Lightning Web Components that we're going to need to transition to. Most of us will probably bypass Aura and go to Lightning Web Components, but... Uh, who knows? You got to know. I mean, you got to know both. Obviously. Yeah. I keep saying that. Like, or it's not going anywhere. I do have a question for you. Um, do do people actually refer to Flexi? Do people say Flexi page? I don't know. I mean, it's in the metadata. I hated saying SPA too. I don't but know it's why. it's isn't a lightning a lightning page, which I, I, this took me a while to figure this out. But you know, you're, if you're on a record in Salesforce and Lightning. And if you do edit page, it doesn't do what you think it's going to do for about the first 50 times you do it. And then finally you realize that 
oh yeah, that doesn't do what I wanted to do. And I'm going to, I need to go to edit object. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? I think so. Okay. Anyway, yeah. So a, a flexi page, that's, that's because that's not what it's called in documentation or the UI or anything. It's just called a lightning page. Am I right about that? I can't remember now. I think they want it to be called a flexi page, but I think we. It's like we, in, the, in the metadata, a community is called a network. And, but no one goes around calls them, calling them networks. They call yeah. them communities. Is this, yeah. this, is this a similar thing? I think so. Yeah. That's just weird. I, 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 I don't often hear people talking about flexi page. So I don't know. Hey, we're gonna norm- I like it. We're going to normalize I knew, it. Because I knew exactly what James meant. We just need to normalize it. Page. Yeah. We, yeah, we should do that. Let's, let's, let's wear that. Let's carry that flag. And make that on shirt. Let's jump on that bandwagon, John. That needs to be a shirt force shirt. Shirt force shirt. Yeah, Can so you say that 10 times uh, fast? I don't, <laughs> don't want to get an explicit rating on this podcast, so I mean, I'm not going to try. Just flexi page across it. Yeah. <laughs> and then another one says flexi page SPA. Okay, John. <laughs> this next topic comes from us, uh, comes from Anthony Heber. I hope I'm pronouncing these names right. Uh, this one is, can you put your whole org in source control? This, now, this and is the, right up the, my alley. The TLDR is yes. And the, the long like answer my is longer answers. I hope you are a masochist. <laughs> uh, no. So the description is, it's spin up and work in a scratch org that behaves exactly like production. Come walk through the experience and learning opportunities of putting nearly an entire org under source control. Find out how we deal with items that aren't supported in any API. That should pique your interest in how we seed multilingual data from things like knowledge, how we deal with communities, what things you should never push forward because they will destroy your org, uh, or see how you're using technologies like TypeScript to superpower your aura development and significantly reduce bugs. Uh, see how we can be sure we're, this is a long description, see how we be sure we're working with attributes, events, and controllers and actions that actually exist. Work, con- uh, work continues, but we're very proud of what we've accomplished, and we'd love to compare notes and solve these problems together. Yeah, this this hits all my buttons, honestly. This is I'm definitely going to this one. Yeah, you're Fitbit, a bit Fitbit. Right now. Oh, well, sorry. Are you staring, John? <laughs> that was inappropriate, sir. That was the beer talking. <laughs> that was the nine percent talking. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, the next one. Uh, this I'm one actually is actually going to mark that <laughs> marker. That's only for the live live yeah. folks. Um, that's that's why you have to tune in live. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's really good because uh, uh, you know I feel like there's a lot of very very hard fought knowledge in that. Yeah. Because the, the thing is, uh, sure, can you track all? Can you track at least all the metadata that's available? Can you track it on source control? Sure. Question is, is how do you get that metadata where you want it? Mm-hmm. On top because of that, because ultimately the goal is not scratch orgs. The goal is some production org. Right. And I was going to say, on top of that, just adding the communities component to it is got to be a nightmare. Oh, it's, it's, it's a fractal of nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, 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 that's a mana deployment every time. There's, yeah. You and, touch one thing and you got to manually. Yeah. And, and the thing is, like, with, with the metadata stuff is it changes so often. Not even just, but, I mean, when releases come out, things change, but like things that were a problem slash bug, whatever you want to call it, one week and next week be solved. And then four weeks later, come back. I, I see that. I've seen this happen so many times with really, I mean, somewhat obscure metadata things, things that I know that there's only a small fraction of a percentage of people actually trying to do these things that I've tried to do before. But when you try them, I mean, th- these are the edge cases. These are the dark corners of Salesforce. Mm-hmm. 
All right, next topic. Uh, this one is called Admin Configurable Lightning Components and Powered Admins. And this one comes from Jessica Reff. Jessica Reif, I believe I'm saying that right. Uh, description is, do you find yourself developing the same type of components repeatedly, only varying by minute differences? What about adding or removing fields in a component often as a business process changes? We've put together a way to move these small maintenance development changes to the discretion of the, ad, of the administrator. Come join us to find out how we take your components to the next level with powerful re reusable components that benefit not only the administrators, but developers too. I think that's one thing that, that components have gotten better at it's not the best i wish the designer gave us more control over what options we could provide to the user in the designer but it at least is a step in the right direction we have yeah. a way for admins to kind of drag a component onto the screen provide some input or some variables to that component um, you can increase that with custom settings and metadata to control other aspects of it but i think those are things that that we should be moving towards we should be providing more tooling to the administrators for these components. <clears throat> well, this really is modern day Visual Basic. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> it? I mean, it just, it so is. We'll get there. We'll get, we'll get to and modern hey, times. And you know what? People, <clears throat> people built some valuable things in Visual Basic with not knowing very much about what they're doing. Like, why are you looking at me when you said that? I, I don't know, John. <laughs> are you feeling, uh, am I hitting close to home here? Maybe a little. Maybe a little. <laughs> All right, next topic. This one is called uh, Large Data Volume Management, Big Objects and Connected Apps. I like big objects. I yeah, cannot, you do. And I cannot lie. You got more <laughs> markers now. No, I don't. There's nothing wrong with that. It's uh, the truth. One, this, one will be, uh, this one is from Matt Morris. Uh, so the description on this one is, Managing large amounts of data in Salesforce is challenging. Look at a real-world scenario for a call center system that generates voluminous, leave it to him to come up with that word, Voluminous transactional data from case and email activity and must retain the data for seven years. That is a long time. Probably insurance, I'm guessing. Insurance is, is always has like these large long-term data contracts where you have why to is it always seven, Why is everything always seven years too? It's, it's seven, 10, the government, 20, 30. The government loves seven years. I don't know number. why. Yeah. Learn to classify the data attributes and data in order to create data management strategy upon which, which a solution architecture can be defined. Use, an additional, use additional data sources in the form of Salesforce big objects and an external SQL database in order to spread the load of the retention period and balance the business requirements while maintaining a healthy and efficient Salesforce system. See integration solutions used to provide end users with seamless access to their data, regardless of where it is located, while still delivering controlled authentication and authorization to the external system and data. That's a tough problem to solve. It's something I've done previously with large data, which is kind of host the data externally, but try to make it seamless to the users that, that the data is not in Salesforce. Uh, OData. I'm, I'm, well, OData solves some of that. I'm still sure. amazed. I saw some people, you know, um, excited about some of the Salesforce's, you know, enhanced OData support, which is Salesforce Connect. Is that what it is? Yes. Okay. And I'm like, oh, wow, I just ran across someone in the wild that actually can afford Salesforce Connect because I've <laughs> never had anyone that's ever been able to afford it. I have. So, I have you? Yeah, oh, wow. Actually, kind of nice, actually. Is it? I've never, just never. I mean, they're, they're, you, you steer them towards a certain direction because usually the customers that can afford it also can afford their, well, also have, because they can afford it, a data warehousing strategy and they've got either SQL or Oracle and you just tell them, stick an OData in front of that. That's your one connector. Is that a thing? Like with, if you're running like Microsoft SQL yeah. stack or, the, or some kind of Oracle thing? Well, like, because do they, do, do they literally have like an OData thing you can stick in front of your database? Yes. Okay, yeah. that's cool. 
the but what that does is because OData is basically oh data. I'm sorry, not OData. Salesforce Connect. <laughs> you have to is, say it like that. Oh data. Oh, data. <laughs> Salesforce Connect. You pay per connection, so you pay per your connection to a single data source. So connecting it to your data warehouse is very is much more cost effective than it is to create multiple connections to multiple different data sources. Mm. So if you have a data warehouse where you already consolidate that information, connect it to that. So it's not. Um... It's not the number of like tables. It's the number of connections. Yeah, I think there is a limit to the number of objects. I'm trying to remember. It's been a while. Um, but ultimately, you're still paying per connection. Um, so I'm not, I, I have to go back and revisit that. Yeah, it's like, that. what is a connection? Yeah. I, I, I th- yeah, you have to go back and check. Okay. Don't quote me on that. Matt will educate us on he that. He will, he will. How about that? Big objects and skinny tables. Sounds like a, it's a good combo. It's like a country song, right? <laughs> it kind of does, actually. <laughs> uh, next yeah, topic. As long as you put something in there about like your muffler dragging and your dog dying, then you're, you're good. And your, your optics being big and your tables being skinny. There you go. <laughs> That's a winner. <laughs> should write. It's going to go platinum. Can I copyright that? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Is it copyright for music? I, yes, it's copyright. Okay. 3,000 scratch orgs at Dreamforce. Heroku and SFDX at scale. That one's from Shane McLaughlin. <clears throat> description on this one is how do you build a scratch org deployer that scales gracefully and can build thousands of scratch orgs during a single week wow that's beyond my limits that, I, that <laughs> Salesforce currently gives me this is a behind the scenes look at complex apps on Heroku including message queues workers custom build packs and one off dinos the developer or the deployer also queues up orgs to reduce spin up time and uses a Salesforce based chatbot to serve internal and external pool build requests John, someone's using chatbots. Yeah. <laughs> wow. In, adi- in, in addition to this core app, expect some discussions of shims, shivs. <laughs> let, me, let me correct that. It should be shivs. That were needed to cover g- gaps in SFDX and Salesforce APIs to accomplish the dream of full deployment automation and one-click distribution of unlimited orgs to total strangers. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I'm skeptical, but I'm also very interested in that. I'm going to have to go to all of these. These are, the, are going to be the best sessions. You're gonna go to Dreamforce and just stay. I mean, these the are extra. these are and this is these are these are intense. They're meant to be intense. I know. I forget that. That's the goal. Of this. You forget. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm just. I forget. I can remember a, a year ago. I was talking about like, what is the vision of this thing? Yeah. This extracurricular. And it was the. It was deeper dives. It yeah. was more serious stuff that like real problems that you run up against on significant projects. Yeah, not only talking about them, but giving them the time to breathe and have real discussions about them. Yeah, not just a 30 minute slideshow. So. Uh, the next one. Now, well, let me ask you this: How many do we have? These do we have left? Two more. Two more. Okay, I was just asking. I'm wondering if we should like split this and do the rest of them next week, or if we should finish them now. Let's finish them now. Okay. Uh, inbound data firehose performance, volume, and processing. This one's from Ohad Idan. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, come dissect a challenge, challenging integration project for a large enterprise customer. The requirements include integrating with an external system that is only capable of pushing one record with each API call. Oh, sorry. Fast termination of API connectors, volume peak of around 100K records per hour, and a significant amount of processing on the Salesforce side. Ultimate goal, creating a large volume of transactions in an AppExchange ERP application called Rootstock. All this had to be done with an SLA of just a few minutes while collecting and presenting multi-second level metrics on performance. I'm curious, whose SLA is this? Who offered an SLA? Did you get an SLA (laughs) from Salesforce? That's That'd be interesting. No, I don't, I don't think so. I think I think what they mean is the SLA of... I'm not even going to try to explain it. Go to the yeah. talk. 
I'm not going to guess. Yep. Or you can just Kafka all the things. Mm-hmm. Kafka? Yeah. Kafka. Or Spark. Oh, okay. I don't know why I was thinking that was some slang. Layering, <laughs> layering modern single-page architecture onto Salesforce. This one comes from Charlie Jonas. This is also interesting to me. I'm, I'm literally going to have to go to all of these. Is that okay? Just yeah. to hang out with extracurricular? I yeah. mean, I'm afraid at some point they're going to be like, uh, sir, you have to leave at some point. <laughs> no. Unless, unless you're trying to go in the bathroom in the corner or something, do take your bathroom breaks. <laughs> Dude, do eat t- a proper lunch, drink plenty of water, and then you can hang out. Okay. Just don't make us carry, carry out in a gurney. Okay. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'm going to repeat this since we dove, since we went down a rattle. Layering modern app- single-page architecture onto Salesforce. From Charlie Jonas. A large Visual Force application catastrophically imploded. I like the way that starts. You start with just this thing that just completely failed in how we try to solve it. Uh, presenting a rare opportunity to rewrite the entire thing from the ground up. Tasked with not only fixing the issues, but also leveraging the latest and greatest in modern frameworks and tooling. The rebuild began in earnest. What followed was a two-year obsession. Wow, that's a lot of investment. With creating a zero-compromised framework. What is a zero-compromised framework? For web application development on the Salesforce platform, expect to see a mix of different off-the-shelf frameworks and technologies combined with the purpose-built and open-source libraries and hear about the pitfalls, gotchas, and bumps along the way. These are really well-written abstracts, too. I have a feeling that Chuck might have done some polishing. <laughs> that sounds really interesting. Yeah. Um, so this is going to happen over two days. Each talk is going to get, I, I believe, around two we hours. We should start charging money time. to get into this. <laughs> it's, a, it's an additional. We have a, co- a, a cover fee. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah. So I think it's going to be great. I wish I could be there. I can't believe you're not going. I know. Suck. I know. God. It's two days, so. man. And I, you could take the red eye back with me. You could be at work on, back at work on Friday. It's it's two, days. two days. It's two like days. Four days no, of it's just not. time off. Two days. I, I got travel time, and then I get there. Yeah, you can work on the airplane. They have Wi-Fi on airplanes. I've worked at every conference, and I get nothing out of the conference because I'm, I'm on some call in some hotel lobby trying to work. <sighs> it's just, it's two, literally two days out of the year. All right. Well, that's fine. I know. Your decision's made. I don't... I can't change it now. I don't want to beat you up too much over it. I gave up my code. You did, but it went to whoever was first in the line, which Uh-oh. was not me. <laughs> hey, I gave you advance notice. I know, and they were, and that is not acceptable. <laughs> it's not the protocol. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. <clears throat> uh, All right, John. Well, I feel like we should wrap up. It's uh, it's late, and I'm probably gonna. I'm probably on my own for dinner. You interested? I still in gotta eat my dessert. Yeah. I'll, I'll Are have you dinner with okay? You. Cool. Well, let's do that. Okay. All right. Um, so if you're not in our Slack community, we always have to admonish you. I mean, I'm getting serious here. You've got to check out our Slack. It's uh, full of a lot of really smart and funny people. We It's comic relief. It's helping each other. It's support. It's whatever whatever you want it to be. Uh, you can, if you want to, you can just lurk. That's fine. I'm sure there's a lot of lurkers there. But it's, uh, it's, a, good, it's a good place. It's a good space. And you get into that by going to gooddayserpodcast.com. Just click on community, put your email address, and John will add you uh, after he gets off his conference call that he is undoubtedly going to be on yep. when you when you sign up. Uh, if you want to get I, us any feedback, I, I, like Stephen Noe I, did, I added you two can, people while we we're on the podcast. See, there you go. There you go. Uh, if you want to send us your feedback, like Stephen Noe did, uh, it's info at gooddaysforpodcast.com. We accept questions, feedback, tips, uh, complaints. complaints. Um, 
ACH transfers, uh, gift cards. (laughs) (laughs) What else, John? Uh, you know, like us on the socials, share us with your friends. Like you got to tell people, tell people about the show in, in in this space. Um, so more people know about it because we have an, an a vanishingly small fraction of the 5 million Salesforce developers that are listening to this podcast. We, I at least want to get to 1%. Yeah. That'd be nice. Yeah. That would be amazing. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Once again, happy birthday, Jeremy. Oh, thank you, John. To another year. Yeah. I feel like we've drugged my birthday out because I feel like we talked about it last show. Are you kidding? My kids celebrate their birthday for like a uh, month. I yeah. <laughs> I know. And to that, I say good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. <laughs>